Adding wholesale as a channel to your store is a great way to increase revenue. But how do you offer customer-specific pricing in Shopify? Well, naturally, there's a bold app for that. It's called Customer Pricing. And it's great for wholesale, of course, but it's also cool to add things like a VIP program where you reward your best customers. So it's easy to use. To put a customer in a price group, you just tag their customer account. Or, if you want to get fancy, you can auto-tag customers into groups based off how much they've spent, how often they order, where they're from, or what products they purchased. So it's really powerful. For example, if they've spent $500 or more, you could tag them as silver, and they get 5% off. $1,000 or more, they get tagged gold, they get 10% off. You could even do it by how many times they've ordered and even what country they're from. With the tagging by product purchase feature, you could actually sell a membership product and then give them a member discount. So if you're a Costco member, this should sound familiar, because it's exactly what they do. To try it out free for two months, head to ethercycle.com bold. That's ethercycle.com bold. Additional support for the unofficial Shopify podcast comes from SEO Manager. You already know the benefits of SEO. The higher you rank in search, the more visitors you get, and more visitors means more sales, which means more money in your pocket. But how do you do it? That's where SEO Manager comes in. It helps Shopify store owners get found in search engines more easily, and it's trusted by thousands of store owners. No surprise there, it's equal parts power, innovation, and ease of use. Think of SEO Manager as your optimization toolbox. Here's some examples. It can scan your site for issues, offer keyword suggestions, add structured data support, analyze missing pages and redirects, and even integrate with Kit, plus a ton more tools to help you be easily found in Google searches. Best of all, it's easy to get started. You can get started in minutes, and their friendly support team is always on standby if you need help. Seriously, I have met them. They are the best. And as a special offer to you, you can get 10% off SEO Manager forever when you sign up at seomanager.com unofficial. That's seomanager.com unofficial. I'm here in person, in studio, in office at Skokie, Illinois, with none other than Beeve Brody from Tactical Baby Gear, who has been on the show twice before to tell us about his, his seven-figure success with his Shopify Plus store. Uh, and joining us as well is the the man behind the man, Alec. What, Alex, what's your last name? Christoph. Alex Christoph, who is, uh, what is your, your position or title there? I actually run Tactical Baby Gear. <laughs> <laughs> no, my, my official title, I guess, would be COO. There you go. If I want to be C-suite janitor on other days. Okay. Maker of the magic. <laughs> I, don't, I get a lot of emails from you. I feel like you're you're doing things over there. He's the uh, he's the admin guy, you know? Like, I don't know how to send an email, really. <laughs> so when I need something, I'm like, hey, Alex, uh, this, or hey, Alex, that. So he really manages a lot of uh, the... I don't want to call it paper pushing, but a lot of the admin stuff. He's he's amazing with keeping track of that stuff. So that's why you hear from him more often than then me. Then what does that leave you, get a you in charge of? from me with like three emojis. <laughs> <laughs> what does that leave me in charge of? Yeah. Um, a lot of marketing, branding, um, strategy. Uh, product uh, development. Product development uh, and some of those sort of things. More of I'm more of a creative person in mind. Um, and as we know that like art and business doesn't 
make a very good mix. So I'm more, I'm more on the art side, and Alex is on the business side. So together, uh, we work really, really well. It's a partnership that uh, I think everybody needs something along those lines to 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 create some good success for sure. I uh, I'm a big fan of having uh, business partnerships. I love having a business partner. Um, it's worked out well for me. I know other people are like, don't do it. I mean, there's pros and cons, yeah. you know, and a lot of it's people. It's as serious as getting married. It is. It is. <laughs> it's like Alex and we're like, it's our work wife. Um, yeah. And it really it, is. It and very much is. I think the thing that has worked out so well for us to this point is we both have had business partners in the past that did not work out well at all for us. That we both have been screwed over and with a lot of dishonesty and all these other things that have come up. And we are both of the mindset of like, just do things right, be transparent, have good communication. Let's work together to make a bunch of money and have fun along the way. That's so, pretty straightforward agreement. It, it, and it's simple, and it, it doesn't need to be really anything terribly fancy in that regard. Just have, you know, you build trust in each other and get it done and have fun. At what point did you bring Alex on? Um, that's a really interesting question. So, I was, I had come up with the whole brand. We had done some development, we were selling things. I'd, Gained some social following, and I was still building custom cars at the time, and I knew I couldn't scale it on my own. I also didn't know much about e-commerce or the retail world at all, really, at that point. Uh, this is back in probably 2014 when I yeah. talked to you. 2014, maybe. It had to have been 2014, well, I'm and, sure. And backing up a little bit, with before TBG, what was your background? I built custom cars for, at that time, probably about 10 years then, and we had some some big successes along the way, but there's not the automotive industry isn't a terribly lucrative, profitable industry, especially in the area that we were at. And uh, so I, I was making enough money to make ends meet and you know pay my bills and keep the business running. But there was we were not crushing it financially by any means. Uh, we had a great reputation and a good name and a decent business. Uh, oh, you did some phenomenal builds. We did some phenomenal builds really at the end of my automotive career. We you know, we set a world record with Barrett Jackson with a Volkswagen bus and we've Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we did a 67 21 window Volkswagen bus. It was a 21 window deluxe. And uh, I went to Barrett Jackson and set a world record for the selling price. Huh. Uh, so that was really cool. Uh, and that was one of the last vehicles that we did. Uh, before that, we were doing some really high-end stuff for clients around the world and some celebrities and stuff like that. So we had some really good successes in that, and I got screwed over along the way in that and lost a bunch of money. And um, But anyways, back to when Alex came on board, I just didn't know the retail world. I knew how to build a car. And uh, and Alex at the time, we, we had been – Alex and I have been friends since, like, second grade. You know, we grew up together. And while we were never, like, best friends or close friends, like, we went to birthday parties and played soccer together and stuff like that growing up. Um, and you guys both grew up on Hilton Head Island. Hilton Head Island, South Carolina. Beautiful yep. hill. Yeah, if anyone is familiar with it, it's, yeah, it's quite fantastic. the claim. Uh, so moving forward, so he, he makes a post on Facebook and with his, his current business at the time that he had and showing his product that he had created and was selling in Target. It was a picture of his stuff, you know, on the shelf in Target. And I was like, you know what? That's the dude I need to reach out to. That like, let me just ask him some questions. Like, hey, what do I need to be doing from here? I've got this thing going on. There's a lot of um, excitement around it. And at, I don't know how to at scale that time. It. What kind of sales? Because you said, well, listen, I didn't know anything about it, but it still didn't stop you from having a successful business. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we were still selling stuff. It wasn't crazy. We had accumulated probably like ten thousand followers on Instagram. Man, at that time, I don't know, maybe like. 
five, ten thousand dollars a month in sales. So it wasn't anything super crazy, um, but I couldn't keep up with it. It was a very much a side side hustle, nights and weekends, shipping stuff out of the living room, like down and dirty, early days, trying to figure it out. You know, I've heard you say sometimes, just when we've been talking, that there's there's some romance to that. It's sometimes oh, you dude, miss that. Dude, it's my favorite. I love those like get home from work, 6, 7 p.m., eat some dinner, and just get back to it and work till 2 or 3 a.m. Uh, I love it. And it's usually because I'm super passionate about it. And I, I say a lot. Say you, it's, the pa- it's the excitement. It's the excitement. And what people don't realize, like, how are you doing this? It's like, well, I love it. You know, you have that passion. That passion creates the energy, and the energy is what allows you to work till 2 and 3 a.m. on something that seems to make no sense whatsoever to everyone else. But you have this this excitement about it. You have this vision for it. You have you feel like there's there's this is going to turn into something. I'm going to make it turn into something. And then you get four hours of sleep, and you get up and you go to work the next morning. In my case, I was running another business, so that still consumed a ton of my time. I was working on cars for 15 hours a day, and then trying to build this other thing. And, then, and like it's a very physical thing. If you've never worked on cars? a car, oh, this yeah. is like a full body experience. Yeah. And now I'm now that I'm not working on cars, I'm just getting fat. <laughs> like everyone else was doing CrossFit, and I was doing ShopFit. <laughs> but um, so I knew I couldn't scale it because I didn't have the the knowledge of manufacturing a product. And that was some of the things I, when I got in touch with Alex, after I saw his product, I'm like, all right, clearly he knows how to get something manufactured and distribute it and, and he had get it sold. So I reached out to him just with questions like, hey, remember me? Because <laughs> we hadn't talked in a long time. It's probably 10 years since we had talked. And um, so we get talking. He's like, oh, we got to do this. You got to do that. And then I was like, oh, geez. Okay. All right. I got a lot to do, you know? Alex, what was your background at that time? So uh, when I was in college, I had my first idea for a product, which was uh, AstroTurf koozie. So imagine like when you when you hold your beer koozie. I, I don't know down south we call them koozies, up you know, yeah, yeah, like huggies or whatever some people call them. But um, so the idea was is when you were holding your beer at the you know tailgate or whatever, you were you felt like you're part of the field, right? So I got real lucky, and there's a company that owns all the licenses for the NFL, the NCAA. And they loved my idea, so like right out the gate, I got this big order for it, and so I partnered up with some older gentleman, and he completely stole all the money. Oh, jeez. I was like, well, okay, so that was first business partner, you know, like just completely taking advantage of you. So I had another idea, just because I'm just kind of that. Again, like I got a creative side as well, and I invented a um, a collapsible. We called it uh, disposable flask. So it's a imagine an empty Capri Sun with a screw top. So I was taking my now wife to a concert. I saw some older guys pouring liquor in a Ziploc bag, and I was like, that's ridiculous. Like, I'm underage at the time. I would never, like, strap a Ziploc bag full of liquor to my leg to try to (laughs) sneak it in to save a few bucks. But to me, I was like, when I saw that, I saw opportunity. And no one was doing it. Unfortunately for me, I was a little... I, I, I got stuck on the liquor side of it instead of, like, why don't I make a collapsible water bottle? And the people that did that, you know, sold millions of them. But so, anyways, I, I took that concept of a collapsible flask. We started branding it. We started out, you know, that was my foray into e-commerce and, and Amazon selling. And then we took that to the, you know, the Spencer Gifts, the Urban um, Outfitters, the Macy's. I sold Target. it to Macy's and Target and... Then that's when, uh, you know, then we started going into licenses. I got Warner Brothers licenses to do, you know, Batman flask. And then that's when uh, Beeves saw that I sold some product into uh, Target. You know, Target. And so I was doing everything from the, a little bit of the creative, which I was like, you, we make the joke that you can't find me on social media if it, Beef doesn't tag me. So it's like that side is where, you know, I just 
I, I just never grasped that concept. But from the manufacturing of an idea, bringing it from you know the the sketch on a napkin to being manufactured to retail and, and selling it, that whole process, I, it just sort of came natural to me. We like I was the kid that would go into the marsh and you know Hilton had there's golf courses everywhere. I get the golf balls, scrub them up, sell them back to the golfer the next day. <laughs> so that, you know that's you know, that's just. It was like, you know, this kind of uh, entrepreneurship at a young age, just, you know, p- pure hustle and grind. But I was able to kind of take that. So that's when Beef reached out to me. Hey, I see that you can take a product from, you know, paper to an actual retail store in that whole you know, product chain. I know how to create it and I know how to market it. You know, let's talk. I was going to say at that time, our talks were really just like, I want to pick your brain. You know, how can we do this together? And... uh about six months, he was living in Charlotte at the time. He had gone to college and went off and was living in Charlotte and was up there. And uh, he's like, hey, I'm coming to town for Christmas to come see my parents. We should uh, we should get together, you know? And then that turned us turned into like a late night at the bar talking about all the stuff. And then that turned into a like, hey, I really like what you got going on. I'm looking to, to try to do some different things. Like, how, what, do you, what do you think about partnering, you know, on this? And I was like, hell yeah, you know? So we negotiated that for, for a little while. And then uh, here we are. What four, three or four years later? Yeah, a bunch of years later now at this point, and everything's everything's awesome. I I, I couldn't do it without Alex. I feel like Alex probably couldn't do it without me, and uh, it, it's worked out really really well thus far. So let's. I don't think we. <laughs> I don't know that we recapped. Uh, did we establish what tactical baby gear is? I don't know. Did you? No, I don't no, think we did. I don't think so. I don't Just think so. To, all right. So, so tactical baby yeah. gear. We design and manufacture military style diaper bags for dads. Uh, so it, we gave a solution to for dads to get uh, a product that is typically very female centric. You know what I mean? Flowers and female prints of kinds, and it's just purples and pinks and all these things. Yeah, and the, the diaper bags are often designed. The whole baby in the same industry, way they look like purses, right? And the whole baby industry is very woman driven, which I don't feel that it should be. Like, it takes two to tango, and I think there's no reason that dads shouldn't be more involved, and there's reasons that they aren't more involved, and it's because they're embarrassed to carry this diaper bag that they don't want to say. They're like, I don't really want to carry that, and they just a lot of times man up and do it, but given the opportunity to have a cooler diaper bag or a cooler baby carrier that gives them, like, this excitement to be involved instead of feeling like they got to be involved or whatever. Um, So we've created a market that didn't exist out of necessity, and as I saw when I was having a, a second daughter, and that was the position I was in. It was like, oh, I got to carry this purple bag again, really. I was like, I'm wait, I carried that bag so much the first time around. I want my own bag this time, so I went online shopping. Couldn't find anything; nothing existed, and um, so we. I was like, well, I'll make my own because again, I was building custom cars. I did upholstery, I had sewing machine, all this. I was like, I'll make my own bag. And uh, and I was like, wait, well, there, there's no way I'm the only one like that. I know plenty of dudes just like me that are like hardcore, cool, patriotic, you know, into the firearms community and tactical gear and, you know, all that kind of stuff. I was like, there's no way I'm the only one that feels this way. And you were in the Army, right? No. Uh, no? No, no, I'm not a veteran at all. So oh, really? I didn't serve at all. Nope. I'm just, I'm just into that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? I have a, a huge respect for the military. I've got a lot of family that's in the military. 
I'm sorry, you said your dad was, right? No, my, no? my grandfather was there's in the 10th somebody. Mountain Division. Yeah, there's, I've got a bunch of family, my uncle and my grandfather and, you know, a lot of other people were in the military, my family. So um, my, my dad was with the sheriff's office. And so our family has a big history with law enforcement and military and stuff. So I'm just going to into that stuff, right? So anyways, when I came up with this idea that I was like, well, there's no way I'm the only one like this. I wonder if I could do something with it. And that's when I came up with Tactical Baby Gear. And then I started searching that. And I, did, I immediately bought up the domain and the Instagram and Facebook and all this stuff and like LegalZoom. Like in an hour, I had a, I owned this every way I could, you know. So that's Tactical Baby Gear. And the, like the, the big seller, um, the big seller is a, uh, a tactical diaper bag, which is very much like, all right, choose a, a diaper bag that uses Velcro and uh, Molly webbing. And it, it is durable and uh, an excellent value. I have one. I use it as a shoulder bag. It's great. And then the you've got a baby carrier. I love this thing. The baby carrier looks is styled like uh, a bulletproof vest. Right. And um, I've got I've got this photo I love of me with my daughter at the time who was one strapped into it. We're at Mall of America with this thing. <laughs> I got multiple compliments for people. They're like, oh, that's awesome. a cool baby carrier. Cause it like it, it. Yeah, it's cool. It's very unique. Yeah. And uh, it's fun for sure. Yeah, and right. I, it's fun. I think that's like the the thing. If you don't get it, or you're like, that seems weird. It, it's fun. That's the part they're missing. Yeah, and there's you know it's really interesting. There's a lot of people that like to 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 bash us for it too. That we're like some sort of like fragile masculinity that you're too scared to carry this di- you know a woman's diaper bag and all stuff. Like if that's the way you feel about it, it's just not for you. Like I'm not forcing it on anybody. There's a huge market of people that. Don't want to have to carry a girl. It's no different from Levi's offering jeans for men and jeans for women. Yes. The thing people are missing is they're saying, well, you're, they're viewing it like, and you could tell these people probably don't have kids. They're seeing it as you have, you're making a gendered version of something that was previously gender neutral. What they're missing is it wasn't gender neutral. Right. It just, they didn't describe it in gendered terms, but it was very clear the market for diaper bags was geared toward women. Like my wife's diaper bag was, uh, like white and black striped with hot pink piping. <laughs> I mean, Gold it was cool, zippers. but like what I had carrying that thing through the mall, I'm like, it's, like I wanted, yeah, in my head, I was like, I don't care. But really, like the fact that I had to think about it tells you I did. Well, that and the, I mean, society as a mindset, you know, has really progressed recently, you know, like the, the stereotypical, you know, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, you know, the, the man goes to work and the woman stays at home and is the homemaker. And then obviously, thankfully, those have changed. And that's things that we believe in. We don't believe that women should have to be the only one that is involved in the child rearing process. Like you help create, bring life onto this planet. You should be just as much involved. Why can't we give you tools to get you more involved? Yeah. And that's what no, we're going would... for is we, 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 you know, we're promoting that equality that you know, every parent should be involved, whether you're the male, female or, you know, what have you. So anyway... You certainly, as you have scaled, you're encountering new and different problems. Walk me through, like, in the last two years, get, let's hear some of your trials and tribulations, man. What's changed? What's been hard? Where have you struggled? What are those roadblocks? I mean, every day we encounter problems. You know what I mean? As a, as a business owner, uh, you're like a firefighter. You're just constantly putting out little fires. You know, and some are bigger than others. Um, I don't, I'm trying to think of a good example off the top of my head. Do, what do you have, Alex? Like, uh, well, 
I guess I can even look at it from the, the two areas that we deal with, right? B deals with the marketing, I deal with operations. So from an operational side, as you scale up, the, like, you know, when you deal with the product that you have to buy, there's inventory. Inventory takes up cash. So how do you manage your cash flow as you're trying to scale in a space, especially with e-commerce, where you have to market to drive people to your website? People don't just magically show up to your website. People, I mean, you probably experienced this a lot, right? Oh, I got a website. How come I don't have any sales? Well, you have to get people to the site, and then you got to convert them. So, and then if you don't have a good product or inventory of a product to actually sell, you're not going to make any sales anyways. So, as we've you know, been experiencing success, you know, one of the one of the challenges has been how do we make sure you have the the product, the cash flow to be able to, you know, buy the inventory, stay in business, keep the lights on, all while, you know, becoming a marketing agency now in this digital age where you have to be on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, you know, Pinterest, you know, do podcasts, do video content to keep it interesting because it's just so hard to get people's attention. So I would say as, you know, as we scaled, it's that balancing act of, you know, where do you put your, your, your resources? Um, how do you make sure that you're continuing to develop product that people want, um, all while hopefully experiencing success to be able to buy more product to keep the business, you know, operating? So, you know, balancing that with, you know, obviously the, the marketing side of it where you have to be everywhere because customers expect stuff like Amazon. You might be a small-time business, you know, doing 10 orders a, a week. They expect it to be free shipping. They expect it basically to be delivered overnight. I don't care if it's Sunday. You're hand delivering it to my house apparently for this, you know, baby shower, and you know, so you got to fight those challenges as well. That you have to compete with, you know, a trillion dollar business, but at your scale. How, how do you do that, and how do you give the customers the experience that they deserve, um, and that they want, and that you want to give them? So that, to me, as we've gotten bigger, people view you as, you know, there, there's a little less wiggle room i think you got to give a personal experience but you got to deliver on the amazon promise and i feel like that in e-commerce is probably one of the biggest challenges with you know any startup or any just online business in general no back no matter how big you are because no one's as big as amazon so how what have you done to manage those customer expectations um and live up to that promise yeah so managing expectations is being extremely transparent on the front end right that starts with your I think with the advertising, with what your product is, uh, not not trying to sell them something that it's not and over-promise, under-deliver type of a situation with on the marketing, on the front end, before they've even gotten to your website. Don't tell them it's the best product in the world if it sucks, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, and then that, it ha- that you have some sort of amazing feature that it doesn't have. Or, so right, you know, upfront marketing, uh, being transparent. And then the website, giving them all the information uh, that they need to make an uh, educated decision on purchasing uh, without without uh, managing those expectations of when they're going to receive it, when it's going to ship. Um, you know, they have the confidence and what they clicked on is what they're actually going to receive. You know, fo- from that goes from photos to videos to, you know, like, and, and you have done a lot with us in, in all of this when we're constantly reaching out to you, Kurt, and be like, hey, how do we get, you know, we did the shipping timer and we did the variants, you know, we're like, Hey, people are thinking that they're adding a black bag to the cart and they're getting a brown bag and they've, you can clearly see that they've ordered brown. There's a disconnect somewhere. How do we make this more clear to the customer when they're checking out? So we've added all those crazy. Well, that's an important distinction is because a lot of people just get annoyed. They're like, Oh, customers are stupid. It's like, or there's a, there's a, there's a user problem. experience issue here. 
and a lot of the work we've done together has really been based around customer service stuff, where it's just like, here's a, a trend, here's a consistent problem. Yeah, when, go figure it out. Yeah, when, yeah, because and a lot of these things when we start first started doing a lot of work with you, it was like, okay, here's the ten things that we get emails all about. We're we're all about trying to reduce the amount of inbound customer service emails that we get. So, what are the most common? Are there common themes across these emails? Uh, because if the more emails we're getting, that means there's more friction to purchase somewhere, right? So we want to reduce all that friction to purchase. So if people have a constant question about this, okay, we need a, we need more photos about the product. If it's, does it have a shoulder strap or is it X, Y, or Z? Okay, we need to update the video to explain this product better. Uh, we need more more information in the product description about it. We need to make sure we're including uh, dimensions. How big is this bag? If that's a question you're getting all the time, like include that information on the site so you're not repeating the same answer to people over and over and over. And then um, what were some of the other things? Like just the variance and then the, the shipping, right? Just being transparent about like when am I going to receive this or whatever the case is, uh, all of those kinds of things. I know Alex is dying to say something right now. Well, no, you kind of mentioned like, you know, people think that, you know, oh, the customer's just stupid. Well, the, the customer's also the one buying your product. You got to put them first. So whether or not you might have a customer service issue that relates to like the end carrier, right? The, the you know, USPS says the product was delivered, but it wasn't like, well, you need to work through that. You know, maybe it was delivered to a neighbor or, you know, maybe there's some real issue there. But when it relates to the customer contacting you with a concern or issue about your product, you can't just brush them off. Like, like well, then why are you in yeah. business? You know, the, the whole point is to deliver on a product or service that, you know, provides value to your customers. You can't lose sight of the fact that you need to provide as much value upfront and continuously, like throughout the whole process to that customer or else, you know, one, you're not going to be in business very long. Or, or two, it's just, you know, going to provide a, a horrible experience for that person when, you know, they feel like you, you cheated them. So, you know, as you grow a business, you got to have the mindset that it's not so much the customer's always right, as you kind of hear, like, in the food bed and beverage business, like, oh, that's an overcooked steak. Like, no, if you cut it in the middle, it's actually medium rare, you know. The end piece is cooked a little bit more. It's like, it's not so much the customer's always right, but you got to look to, like, if they have a question, then maybe you're not doing your job as well as you should be. And you got to look internally to figure out how to fix that, which goes back to a, which goes back to a customer experience things, which then helps you scale and grow the business and everything else. So all of these pieces all work together, and you can't have like one thing without another because they all just help each other, help each other out. We're we're in the business of trying to like almost get rid of our customer service guys. Like that's how we think of like we don't want to have a single customer service email. How can we give enough information to the customer up front and make it so easy and effortless for them to make a purchase, make an exchange, make a return that like we're not having a, you know, of course that's never going to happen. We're not going to, but that's the mentality of like we're trying to reduce every single customer service email that we can. So how can we do that? And that's by calling Kurt and helping him, <laughs> helping him <laughs> implement things on the website for us. Yeah, often, well, that really is often how it's presented to me. It's just like, okay, this is this, like, we've got this issue, keeps coming up with customers, it's making us tear our hair out, come up with something creative. And it's like, all right, well, here, like, I mean, once it was, my, uh, my favorite example of this is you go, well, people keep calling up and going, hey, I forgot, I wanted to buy an extra patch, I forgot to do it, but I don't want to buy it and then have to pay shipping on it, can you add it to my order? Well, you can't really edit orders at Shopify. Big pain. Um, so you guys are saying, listen, like, just to service customers, we're throwing the patches in sometimes and not billing it. Right. So what, like, it's a big pain all around. Um, and the solution was, well, it's, 
watch for products that accept patches in the cart and then have an upsell that's like, hey, here's select some patches if you want to add some patches. So it's like just looking for those those customer service situations and then trying to turn like flip that and turn that into... Well, we turned it into like a, a better user experience for the customer and more money for us. Yeah. Yeah, the value goes both ways. Yeah. Hold up. We'll hear more after this quick break. Support for this podcast comes from Simpler, a new way to staff 24-7 sales and customer service on your Shopify store. It works with your existing email and chat tools, so setup is quick and easy. Simpler provides on-demand, U.S.-based customer service specialists to answer your customers' most common questions. Close more sales with Simpler by staffing your email and live chat with 24-7 Simpler specialists. Find out more at simpler.ai. That's S-I-M-P-L-R dot A-I. And now, back to the show. Hit me. In this time, as you've grown, one of the things, there's no doubt you've seen change, is Facebook. And I think, like, 2019 is the year where people are starting to go, oh, man, the party's over. You can't just throw money at Facebook ads anymore and have customers show up. Um, And you've had a lot of success with Instagram and Facebook. Talk to me about it. Does it keep you up at night? What's going on? No, it doesn't keep me up at night. Um... I talk a lot about this in my own personal content, as as, a, as you're aware. I don't know that you've really ever been able to just throw money at Facebook ads. I mean, maybe in the early days, um, but not even for a while, you haven't been able to just throw money at you. had to be pretty, pretty thoughtful about how you did it. And there's a lot of good strategies that go behind it, and there's a lot of things that work differently for different types of businesses. So there's not a one-size-fits-all formula for Facebook ads, uh, I believe. I think there's, some, there's clearly best practices, but the name of the game is just getting people's attention. So you can be delivering ads to the right person, the right demographic, the right everything, but if the content sucks and it's not getting them to stop scrolling, you've already lost. So you need a thumb stopper. You need thumb stoppers. You need something that's going to make you stop and look at. I mean, people are scrolling through their feed so fast these days, and there's so much content being pushed in front of you that, and then you're looking at a lot of the same things over and over and over, and you're just kind of numb to it. You're like, yeah, I've seen that once. I've seen them all. You know, it's oh, cool, another cool car, another whatever. And uh, but if if you can interrupt that pattern, and uh, what's the guy's name? Chris. Uh, Chris. Ah, what's his last? Name? Anyways, from Dollar Beard Club. Okay. He has a he has this like strategy called Proven. It's P R O H V E N. He's done a bunch of viral videos. And I don't remember, and that's an acronym for something, but the P is for patterupt, and that's pattern interrupt is what he calls it. And it's it's super smart. It's just interrupt the normal pattern. Make Wasn't something this the Harmon Brothers? Huh? Isn't that the Harmon Brothers who came up with this? Nah, I don't believe, it could be. I mean, is I know they make a lot of club? dollar it's beard club. Dollar beard club? Yeah. And that's different than dollar shave club? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. They do like more beard oils and things, you know, that kind of stuff versus razors. But anyways, interrupt the pattern, you know what I mean? Which is why I think we've had a lot of success, especially early on when you're seeing pictures of babies with guns and some of that kind of stuff. Well, tell it like the the classic tactical baby gear image, the hero image on the website forever is what? Describe it it to me. It's a picture of me uh, geared up with a bunch of military gear and like an umbrella stroller thrown over my shoulder like a rifle would be holding a baby in like this crazy war scene scenario background uh, it's a pretty powerful looking image and it gets a lot of attention because yep. it's like, what in the world am I looking at? Yeah, you get, it's one of the, it's like if you asked me what I do and I said, I'm a dog lawyer. It's one of those things where you're just like, all right, I got to know more. You know, you have to, it's a pattern interrupt. Um, that is, that's such a great 
concise way to describe what's happening there. It's just one of those. It, if your ad doesn't make you go, oh shit, I gotta know more about this, like right. then it's probably not gonna work. At least as a cold traffic ad, right? It's gonna be like, all right, skip it that crap. Yeah, I mean, you're kind of in some regards. There's times where you're probably borderline clickbaity a little bit to kind of. You need to be a little shocking. You need to be a little shocking, and and uh, you need to be engaging for sure. You need to have something that's gonna get people engaged and want to like or comment or click the ad or whatever, and then you use that to your advantage later. Of, of re- retargeting people who have engaged with your content with an ad or a sale or a promotion or something to get them and drive them to make a purchase a little bit later on. So our our big strategy, top of funnel, is always, always been ads for engagement. And that's where I spend a ton of money is just top of funnel, like let's let's feed people funny videos, let's people feed people like really brand-heavy, relevant parenting stuff that's like either funny or educational or um, just engaging in some way, shape, or form to get them to engage with it so we can retarget them and drive them to the traffic later. Because we all know that cold traffic doesn't convert very well. No. Oh my gosh. You just laid out your Facebook strategy for us. <laughs> like that. So that system really could work for um, a majority of brands where it's, all right, first ad is pattern interrupt to drive engagement. Then and that's to cold traffic, so it's typically going to be like a lookalike audience or mm-hmm. an interest-based targeting if you don't have that. And then you're going to retarget those people who engage with um, a, a retargeting ad showing them the product, the collection, what. It's usually like a lifestyle photo. Okay. You know, trying to trying to drive traffic from that, like, uh, and, and I, it usually triggers them of like, oh, these are the guys that had that really funny video. Okay, I'm gonna you know I'm gonna check see see what's up with this. You know, uh, so it's usually either another video or a, or a photo, not generally a very product-heavy type thing, more lifestyle, uh, just driving traffic to the website. So something that's going to keep them interested to be like, all right, I got, I got to see more of this. I'm going to the website. And then it's and then it's very product-heavy after that. Once they've been to the site, visited product pages, had intent to purchase, then we start putting it on a little heavier. And you said, all right, so I'm thrilled that you laid that, that strategy out for us because I think like – that's not going to do the work for you, but it's going to give people enough direction where they're like, okay, I got an idea, I have a place to go start, yeah. I can figure this out. And everybody's got an iPhone, um, you could create your own your own media for this, and you do. You're a phenomenal content marketer. Thank you. And you mentioned um, your videos, and like, I love, I love gear, I love tech, so I'm always buying gadgets. You're the same way. Mm-hmm. I often like, uh, I love just seeing the stuff you post. The... So you've created some really cool video content, and a lot of it is, like, very personal branding. So my favorite TBG video is a Chevy Suburban, right, rolls up, and the camera's real low, and there's a diaper bag. Chevy Suburban rolls up, stops perfectly, so that it has crushed the diaper bag. The girly diaper bag. The girly diaper bag. How many takes did that take? Because it stops perfect, man. Uh, like two or three. We did pretty good. Okay. Yeah. So it's the Chevy Suburban, and it's got more of a military look because you got these big black steely wheels. Yeah, it's that wrapped. Look great. It's, it's our wrapped truck. And it has yeah. a vinyl wrap. The vinyl wrap is your face. You have your face on the side of this truck. <laughs> you know how many people like see my truck in public and they like take a picture of them kissing me on my truck and like DM it to me on Instagram? It's That's so weird. So funny. <laughs> it's hilarious. I think I get a kick out of it. So like this truck rolls up. And on, like, the back window is Beave's face. And then the window rolls down is Beave again. Only now it's his real face. And then you just, like, coolly drop the TBG diaper bag out the window. And yep. it just says, ditch the girly diaper and then bag. We, well, and then we do a burnout, like, off, top, off the top of the girly diaper bag. <laughs> 
Yeah, that video is great. So, like, run over that thing, and it's like, ditch the girly diaper bag. Yeah. And because there's, we've like, got a whole series of those, actually. There's somewhere I, like, kick one into a dumpster, like, I'm kicking a field goal, and I just, like, kick it in the dumpster. We've got some other really funny. We've got, oh, I shot one with a shotgun. Um, but the thing, like, these videos aren't tough to make. No. Right? It's like, just being thoughtful. That's so, it. how do you how do you come up with the ideas? How do you test them? Are you just like, let's just go make stuff and see what happens? Is it like yeah, a very that's a lot process? of it. You know, there's a lot of uh, just testing and learning, right? Like, let's let's just throw a bunch of stuff at the wall. Let's see what works organically. The stuff that goes well organically is what we usually put money behind. You know, so we kind of test it organically, and then double down on it, and then, and then make you- more content like that. Okay, I was going to say, yeah, the next step is you quickly get a, a feel for this is content people like, this is content that kind of like falls flat. Yeah, and we've tried all kinds of stuff. Some of it works, some of it doesn't. Sometimes you go back to it, and then it works later, but did it didn't work before. So there's never, I don't think there's ever like an, a, a clear answer. I think you just have to continuously be trying different things all the time. That's what I've learned is like just be unafraid to get rejected and to fail at stuff. Um, I've certainly tried stuff with this show that doesn't work and I've never been able to guess at the episodes that will end up in the top 10. That's my favorite part is yeah. like, I don't know if I want to say it, my favorite part, but it's so unpredictable. Yeah, it and really is. And I think we can all here agree that like we all pay attention to Gary Vee yep. and he's the best at saying like, let the market decide. Like creative stuff Stuff like that is subjective. What you think is good isn't what that guy thinks is good. So I could be super romantic about an idea, but if I put it out there and nobody cares about it, then it sucked, you know? Uh, Or I just told a story about uh, Post Malone the other day. I was watching a thing, and I was telling this guy on my podcast, and I said uh, he's sitting on, like, five years and, like, terabytes and terabytes of music that he hasn't put out. I'm like, dude, what are you, like, you got, like, seven hits on that hard drive. You know, same thing happened Post Malone. He was like... I finally, everyone was telling me not to put out this album and I uploaded it to SoundCloud and like overnight that was, now he's now Post Malone hmm. because of the one, the stuff that people are like, nah, man, that's no, that's wag. Don't do that. You know? And he uploaded it and an overnight success. Yeah. If you have one I, I say overnight you. success, but that went overnight, but it was, you know, it took him 15 years to get to the point where he uploaded that to, to have that overnight success. So I hate, I don't like the word, the terminology overnight success because there's no, there's no overnight success. Thing. It's, you know, no one sees the 10 and 15 years before that that led you to that point. But you guys know what I mean by yeah. you uploaded it. And literally the next morning it was like, he's a rock star now. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, Post Malone. We just accept Post Malone as a rock star. Yes. Yeah, he's 21 Savage. I can't believe he's British. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still, I can't get over it. Right. So you can't, you can't be romantic about it, which is, again, why we go back to just throwing stuff at the wall and like, whoa, okay, that took off. Or like, you take all this time and you... Use a five thousand dollar camera and you composition on this photo and you take this sweet picture and you upload it to Instagram. Nobody cares. You take this like repost from a customer with terrible lighting and a fingerprint smudge on the lens and you can barely see it, but you don't have anything else to post at lunchtime. So you repost this customer's photo and it goes bonkers. And you're like, what in the <laughs> world? It's just unexplainable. And it could be you just happened to post it at the right minute. There's a one hashtag you used that mattered. People connected with it because it was more organic. Like, you never really know sometimes why one thing does better than another. They just do. Do you – so it, do you make yourself crazy trying to deconstruct the success of some content over other content? Or you just, like, take it in stride and look for trends? I don't, I don't lose sleep over it. I don't try to deconstruct it too much. I mean, sometimes when something does really well, I might try to figure out why it does well. When something doesn't do well – 
I don't try to figure out why it doesn't do well. You know, I just try to, okay, that seemed to do well. Let's try to go more down that path. Um, people seem to respond more to X than they do to this. Let's do more of that type of thing. More like we, we learned early on that our community responded better to more organic content, not real pretty product photos with clean white backgrounds and all stuff. It was more like, I want to see something that I can identify with. I can see myself using the, the product in that environment, pushing that stroller, doing this. So more organic stuff is what we've always strived for uh, because we saw that as a trend for sure. And uh, then, there's, then there's things you go against like algorithms with pictures versus video and what Instagram's up to lately with, you know, they're not really pushing video in the normal Instagram feed, but if you upload a video that's longer than a minute to IGTV and then allow that to preview on the feed, they're pushing the crap hmm. out of stuff on IGTV because they want that platform to do well because they have vested interest in, oh, look how many people are watching IGTV and that affects stocks and that affects everything. You know what I mean? So it's really interesting what dictates some of that kind of stuff and you have to play the game according to what how they're pushing the platforms. I, honest to God, I don't think I know anyone who appears to be more active on social media than Beef Brody. <laughs> I mean, it's just, I am awed by the quality of the content you produce and the quantity. I mean, it's just like, it feels like Beef's always out there doing something awesome, which is what you want. Of course. And you've got a message um, that connects with people where some people are going to go like, who is this asshole? They're not your customer. You've actively disqualified them. Right. And other people are going to be like, this dude's the shit, right? Like for me, it works because I'm like, oh, it, right now, all right, this guy's got a Panerai watch. He's got a bunch of cool gear in here, camera gear in here. He used to work on cars. I'm a car guy. Like it. So for me, I'm like, all right, this, I, I get it. This guy, it works for me. So there's certainly like a strong element of personal branding. There's 100% Beef Brody and Tactical Baby Gear are like intertwined. And Alex earlier said, hey, we joke that I'm not on social media unless Beef tags me. Well, yeah, because like you're the man on social media. Um, is, like, is you're that overstating the whole thing. I'm not, not that cool. No, no, I'm, no, I refuse. You're, <laughs> you're not going to be humble. You got to own it. Just be like, yeah, I'm, I'm a real motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll take it. I'll take it. The only guy outdoing me in social is like Gary. That You can't keep up with the amount of content that Gary V puts out. It, that's impressive. When I start to dissect that, because we try to put out, like you said, a lot of content on both Tactical Baby Gear and my personal brand, Beef Brody, where we talk a lot about this kind of stuff. You know, um, it's hard to keep up, and then you realize you got to be on some other platform, and then you're so you're kind of creating content for Instagram and Facebook, and you're like, all right, well, we need to be on YouTube. Let's do YouTube. Okay, we need to be doing podcasts. We need to be on doing podcasts as well, and then just, all these things start to layer, and then you try to figure out how can I use some of the same content and creative amongst all these different platforms, but still having something unique to each platform individually, because the way you upload a video to YouTube is going to be slightly different from the video you put on Facebook. If you're, uh, if you're having, you know, end screen times for subscribe buttons and all this different stuff on YouTube, you don't really want that on Facebook. Uh, and then, okay, now we need to put it on IGTV because that's what Instagram's pushing. So now you've got to create it in a vertical format to put it on IGTV. Like it just gets crazy. And then you're like, how do I keep up with all of it? And it, it gets overwhelming, you know? And that's some of the things that, you know, we're looking at trying to hire more people to help facilitate uh, distributing more content on more platforms to be everywhere always. The uh, We work with Hoonigan, and they, they refer to it as the Hoonigan Media Machine. 
And like, I don't think even the biggest Hoonigan fans could conceive of the sheer number of people, like whether it's staff or contractors involved in producing that content across all social media for exactly the reasons you just laid out. Like I'm, you know, next to it. And it's so, um, it's just, it's crazy and overwhelming. Yeah. uh, what it takes to be you know prolific across pretty, all these platforms pretty early on we we took on the mentality of like and i don't want to get it twisted because we're very passionate about our product and it's not like opportunistic for us to like well let's just sell something and make money but early on we identified for us to be successful we were going to have to treat our business like a media agency that sold a product oh, versus that's brilliant versus like mindset shift yeah yeah once you once you identify the fact that you need to be a media company versus a product company it changes the game and then it really is a mind shift like you said of okay we just need to be creating content because that's what's going to drive traffic yeah you're building the audience first you're engaging the audience first and then hey if they buy great right um we previously had christina scalera on from the contract shop and what she did was really smart she said our lead magnets teach you what you don't know so that you understand why you need the product. Like, so she sells contracts and she yeah. says, Hey, uh, you're a new freelancer. So cl- like who doesn't have a contract? Well, a new, a new freelancer. So then they do a lead magnet that says, Hey, here's, uh, like how to get your first client, sit, get your first client, sell your first project in seven days. Well, what do you need then? The contract. But previously you did. So like, it's, um, a very clever approach to it. Um, in which really like you're finding you're engaging your customers, you're entertaining your customers, and then if they buy, it's just because it's a of byproduct. That. It's branding. Yeah, it's branding. It's a side effect. So my brother Matt's here with us today, and he's just sitting off to the side hanging out. And he and I started doing another podcast recently, and you know he's got a business as well, and he does a lot of content creation and uh, marketing um, management. You know, a lot of social media marketing for for other businesses and we had a discussion on one of our recent episodes that was like branding versus sales and how important it is to start the funnel with branding in mind versus having your hand out in the first ad they see because it just turned nobody wants to be advertised to nobody wants to feel like you're trying to just take their money you know like you want customers that want to come give you their money you don't want them to feel like they're taking your their money so um, really, it's all about brand. You know, like the, people want a brand that they can identify with, connect with, be want to be a part of, versus like these guys are always just trying to scam me out of my money by some manipulation process of buy this and get that and thirty percent off this. Like, th- there's a time and a place for it. Absolutely, there's there's sales, there's promotions, there's holidays, there's times to have those manipulation type tactics in like you have to sell something you got to stay in business you need to make money so but there's a balance between the two for sure i love that advice so tell me um all right we're coming up on the end of our time together and i want to know two things i want to i want to know if there's if there's strategy behind the personal branding or that's just beef brody having fun and that's okay too what your strategy is what your opinion is on personal branding because i know like it for me it's hugely important because I think people buy from people, not brands. I think it's just much easier to do. Yeah, how that fits into the the overarching social media strategy that you got going. Um, there really isn't a overarching strategy on my personal brand. I just um, I just enjoy it. You know, like we've had so much success with Tactical Baby Gear, and I've learned so much along the way, and I've had to fail my way there. And there's a lot of things that I know that I can do to help other people and accelerate. Uh, the process for them a little bit. Uh, and 
it gives me a good feeling to help other people, which is, I think, why I liked the automotive business so much, you know, just like fixing someone's problem. I enjoy that. Uh, and it allows me to be creative and those things. So um, there's not a huge strategy behind my personal brand other than I know that if I build some audience there now, it it will give me something later. What that is yet, I don't know. Uh, I enjoy the process of doing that. Um, I feel good about it. And, you know, there may be something in it later for me. I don't know yet, but that's that's all it is. There's really nothing behind it. I'm just wanting to help everyone out. So very like it's an altruistic thing. It's an outlet for you. Um, it's giving back to the community, and you certainly have. Like some of my wife's early success was because you were uh, a big brand evangelist for her, mm-hmm. um, and that was that was really important and meant a lot to her. Like because it also meant validation that like oh shit, this guy with a hundred thousand followers is going to you know tell tell that audience about my stuff. So it was important. Certainly, there's overlap between Beef Brody Tactical Baby Gear in terms of buying. Is there? I don't think there is. No? <laughs> I don't think so. I th- I mean, I think the people that follow Tactical Baby Gear know who I am as the guy from Tactical Baby Gear. 99% of them don't know me as Beef, the e-commerce marketing, trying to help everyone out guy. You know what I mean? I, most, most of my business uh, community doesn't know about my personal brand. You <laughs> know what I mean? So I don't... I think they relate to me as a, as a father and as the owner of this business and creating cool products, and I'm the face of the brand, 100%. But it has nothing to do with my personal brand, you know, in, in terms of overlap that way, I don't think. But I think I have a personal brand asset to Tactical Baby Gear unrelated to the other. Does that make sense? There's two, I don't think it's like Alex is, a double-edged he's nodding, sword there. He's nodding. I think he agrees. What do you, well, yeah, because I feel like... Well, people, like you said, people buy into people, not brands, but like, Beave is, is the essence of the brand. You know, like he, he brings the concept and the idea of tactical baby gear to life with someone you can relate to, you know, as opposed to just words on a sheet of paper. You can buy into the, you know, what, what does tactical baby gear look like? There's Beave. He's so the customer. Yeah, you know, I feel like that's how people relate to that. But like you said, you, you don't try to overlap it because, again, you're trying to bring value on the platform. That you're, you know, you're describing. So, you know, when we're talking about, you know, tactical baby gear, you're not going to go into the let's go into the e-commerce strategy of right. how to use, you know, Instagram. It's, you know, how to change a diaper because you're, you know, sleep deprived and you've never changed one before. Let's give you some tidbits there. And so, from the brand, you talk about, you know, trial. You know, there's just the challenges of being a, a father, right. a parent, you know, husband, and then, you know, so. I guess they buy into you know. They buy into me as as I don't think they, the guy the people from Tactical Baby Gear know me as the guy from Tactical Baby Gear. They don't know me as Beef Brody. You know what I mean? And I think that that's where the difference is between the personal brand and that stuff. But it, I we are very much like a brand to connect to, because I I put myself out there in that world. Like they can identify with that, and connect with it. I think even um, your you have a unique name. I think that helps. Like it wouldn't be the same Beaver. if it was like Steve Brody. It I don't think it would be. Right. Uh, like Beef Brody. It's got alliteration. It's memorable. I think there's... there's Patterrupt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're like, hold up. Is this dude's name really Beaver? Like, what yeah. the hell's going on here? And I'm not going to ask you where that name came from. People can just work that out on their own. We're, no, we're not going to tell. Okay. It's a mystery. <laughs> They'll leave it a mystery. Okay. Final hot seat question. What's... Uh, for Beef? I want to know, what's one thing you wish you had done differently if you could go, just go back, you're going to go back three years and give yourself one piece of advice. You've got 10 seconds to give yourself a piece of advice in the time warp. I honestly don't think I would have done anything differently. 
That's a phenomenal place to be. I don't think I would. I'm really happy with where we're at. I don't regret anything we've done up to this point. I, I wouldn't do anything differently. I'd probably, I probably would have hired more people. I would, I'd spend more money on Facebook and I'd hire more people. I think there, there's wisdom in that. Often, like, looking back, if I ask myself the same question, I, my answer is, well, I'm happy where I am now. So, like, whatever those mistakes and failures that happened, those had to happen to get me where I am now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's a really healthy way to view it. Alex, what's one thing you wish uh, every Shopify merchant would do? Your one piece of advice for Shopify merchants. Put the customer first. Because at the end of the day, they're buying the product or service that you offer. And so you just got to be transparent in that action. And it's the long game. Don't chase the short money. Um, Because you you only get one reputation. And if you want to, you know, if you blow it trying to make your first hundred thousand bucks, you're never going to make the million bucks. So I guess that would be as play with the long game in mind. If a customer has an issue and you can resolve it to give them a better experience, even if that means you now make 10 bucks instead of 20 bucks. You, you might have just made such an impact that it's going to drive you that much more business. So, again, look for doing things the right way. Um, I guess my, my, father's always, my father always told me, say what you mean, mean what you say, and do what you say you mean to do. And so if you kind of follow that sort of advice as far as just putting the customer first, providing them the value in what you're selling or offering, that'll play out for you in the long run. Or if not, you'll be able to go to bed at night, sleep at night, and know that you've been doing the right thing. So... Again, be patient, I guess, is what that ultimately comes down to. Be patient and um, look for the the long term and not the the quick buck. That is excellent advice. Uh, Last question, where can people go to learn more about you? About me? They can go to beefbrody.com. Very good. Find more about that. And then obviously tacticalbabygear.com if you want to find out more about our business. And if you want to find me, you just need to follow Beef Brody. (laughs) (laughs) Gentlemen, thank you. You got it. Thank Thank you. you. Big news from our friends at Out of the Sandbox this month. Their newest theme just launched. It's called Flex. And it's for those of us who loved all the bells and whistles and turbo, but thought, I need more of this. That's where Flex is a game changer for you. It can be configured in an endless number of ways, thanks to more layout and section options than ever, more granular control of settings, and easy addition of custom CSS through the theme editor. It's perfect for development agencies like ourselves, as well as e-commerce entrepreneurs like you looking to create a unique online store experience for your customers. Now here's the coolest part. Flex has a new Demo Shop Import feature that allows you to fast-track your shop setup based on any of 12 demo shops. You get all of the theme settings, layouts, content, and sections used in that demo shop of your choice applied automatically to your store. You can check Flex out right now at outofthesandbox.com. And if you'd like it, take 20% off the purchase price when you use code PODCAST20 at checkout. That's outofthesandbox.com and code PODCAST20. The unofficial Shopify podcast is distributed by EtherCycle LLC. We'll be back next week with more value bombs for Shopify store owners. If you're looking for more high-quality and actionable advice on learning the business of e-commerce, join thousands of other Shopify store owners on our totally free newsletter at eCommerce Bootcamp. That's eCommerce-Bootcamp.com.